sports story everyone's talking about today is just moments away. So call or text us right now at 573-875-KTGR and make your voice heard. This is The Big Show with Andy and Brendan on KTGR. Well, it's that time again where we talk about the fact that Mizzou men's basketball has the chance tonight to gain its first SEC win of the season. Will they get it done in my town, my favorite town, College Station, Texas, as they take on the Aggies? Well, we'll talk through that over the next 20 minutes or go and do a little who you got between Mizzou and Texas A&M. And then at 525, we should have the opportunity to react here on the big show to the Baseball Hall of Fame inductees. Those are being announced moments from now, and we'll weigh in on whether we think Deserving candidates got in. Were there any snubs? We'll break it down around 525. Andy Brennan, producer Chris, here on The Big Show. 875-KTGR to give us a call or a text today on the show. But first, got to do this because it's 5 o'clock. It's time for the top five at five on The Big Show. Number one. You want to trade away for curtain number one? You can have curtain number one. Well, we'll see if the Chiefs will have a fully healthy offensive line this weekend. There's a question on whether or not their left guard, Joe Tooney, will be out there. He did have an MRI yesterday, and it showed a pectoral strain, which is a lot better than the Chiefs maybe feared for their all-pro left guard. who got hurt in the Chiefs' win over the Bills on Sunday. So we'll see how he progresses. First injury report for the Chiefs will come out tomorrow afternoon. Also going to see what Derek Nottie, the nose tackle, is doing. He missed the game against uh, the Bills this weekend as well. Chiefs taking on the Ravens Sunday at 2 o'clock with the winner heading to the Super Bowl. We'll see how healthy the Chiefs can get for that one. Number two. Number two. Your timing is impeccable. Yeah, it's 0-5 right now for Mizzou men's basketball. And if we're looking at the likelihoods, it's probably going to be 0-6 after tonight as they go to Texas A&M. To take on the Aggies, Kempom projects it to be an 11-point loss for Mizzou tonight. And, and again, they've got a tough road ahead. Two road games this weekend. They do host Arkansas next week. That'll be a good chance to get a home win. But then back on the road right after that. So Mizzou's kind of staring more losses in a row right in the face. And can they reverse their luck somehow by locking down defensively late in games? We'll see. It's an 8 o'clock tip tonight. 7.30 pregame right here on KTGR from Mizzou. In Texas A&M. Number three. We're going to learn in mere moments who is being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame this year. It's looking like the projections that there could be you know, three to four guys. It seems that Adrian Beltre, first year on the ballot, is a lock to make it. Same for Joe Maurer. And uh, guys like Todd Helton, who had a good push last year, he should be in, according to the projections. Billy Wagner, the famous relief pitcher, kind of on the border, it seems. So those could be the four guys. And interested to see where Matt Holliday might land, former Cardinal, first year on the ballot for him, as well as former Royal James Shields. We'll see where those two guys end up. Number four. Oh, I shanked it. The Bucks fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin, today after 43 games. The Bucks are 30-13. and 13, But I guess just looking at that record doesn't tell the whole story. The way that they have looked in these games, particularly against some of the tough opponents that they might face later on in the playoffs, not really up to snuff, and so the Bucks decided to make the move now. There's kind of uh, some rumors that it's going to be a quick hire. Maybe Doc Rivers, who is all of a sudden available, could be coming in. We'll have to see. 
number five. What did the five fingers say to the face? Slap! Bills fans, you gotta lay off of Tyler Bass. He was not the reason why you lost. That's the Big Show's top five at five on KTGR. 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us here. It was definitely one of the reasons they lost. I mean, But not the biggest reason. To just me. get closer. Just what do you think closer. the biggest reason was? Because it was he was the most obvious reason why the game swung. There were sure. other players that could have contributed differently. But, I mean, that was a pretty – 44-yard field goal, those are supposed to be money in the NFL. You know, I mean, we, we talk about their offense not putting it together in the second half as much. They weren't running, running the football as effectively. And some of that you can – Credit to the Chiefs with how well they played, but I can't sit here and say that the Bills played their best game either. It's just, you know, they were at home, they had a chance to win it, and and didn't. And, and look, the fact that you had it come down to a kick is part of the reason why, you know, you didn't play all that well in this one. So I thought they played pretty well. I think we're taking it too far. They played well. Um, okay, but larger point... Tyler Bl- Tyler Bass is partially to blame, but he's not the only guy to blame. Yeah, and the people coming after him for missing the kick are dumb. That was the hard point. But even if he was to blame, is not you know DMing and and sending threats to to guys on Instagram, making him deactivate his account. Even if it was his fault, and you could say definitively, like, yeah. yep, he's the reason they lost. Still not cool. If you're a fan of the team, guy could probably use a little support right now, and he's signed long term, so. You know, don't alienate your kid. He's been, he's been really good with uh, all those other years uh, in those same moments. Now, there are some good people out there, uh, more good people than bad, I, w- I would hope, that are taking that opportunity to go ahead and donate a whole bunch of money to Tyler Bass's charity. So they're trying to outweigh some of the bad there. There's always so, bad apples in a fan base, but it's not yeah, everyone, right? No, it never is. Yeah. And, but and Bill's fans do a good job of rallying when... Yeah. When needed, I would say. So uh, hopefully more and more money gets uh, poured into uh, Tyler Bass's cause there. 875-KTGR. Call or text us here. All right, Mizzou men's basketball. Who you got tonight? Tigers or Texas A&M? Again, not very likely. A&M about the same stature as Florida was. Now you got to go on the road, beat that team. I don't know the last time that Mizzou even won here. It's been a while. So, Ooh, that would be fun to look up. I wonder if it was the game I went to. Probably. I mean, when was how that? Would I, how would I go about looking that up? I think it was, I can figure this out. It was the, either like no, between December, when's conference play start? January? Oh, well, you know old? what? It actually wasn't January. that long ago. It was two years ago the, oh. when they last won at College Station. Okay. They so randomly they won uh, in the Conzo era. They randomly won by four points at A&M. And uh, it ended up being a pretty good win, but somehow. In what, 2022? 2022, yeah. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, usually. I think it was 2019, so yeah. that was when I was there. Usually wow. not a kind place for Mizzou over the years to go and play in. And this year's Aggies team, I mean, they're about the same as last year. They're, they're a solid NCAA tournament team, I think, for now, unless things change. Well, they're competing for that, but I wouldn't say that they're in as of today. I mean, they're eleven and seven. That's not okay. Well, not the, NCAA but again, we're talking about necessarily. Uh, we're, we're talking about the long, long share of the season. If they keep playing the t- 
to the caliber that they are. They're around five hundred. They're just under five hundred in conference play. After tonight, I really they're think they're going to be three and three. They're a good, solid bubble team. Nine and nine is definitely on the table. Probably above that, sure. But that's who you're going up against. The Mizzou very clearly not well dealing with those teams <laughs> mizzou not any of those things like, so that's just good to know not not doing what you my should. tiger is sick please give him medicine no kidding i mean it, it comes down to whether or not they can hold up defensively for 40 minutes and i don't know if they can no that, why should we expect that they would be able to <clears throat> truth i don't know like again we haven't seen it no they have to go out and prove it in some way shape or form they haven't over the last month plus for being honest. You know, I don't know what to do with this game. I, I just checked out the spread. A&M favored by 11 and a half at home. You know, this feels like one where Mizzou, as they've kind of done, you talk about not playing a full 40 minutes, which is fair, but they've had games recently where they've played a good first half and kind of hung around. So I wouldn't be surprised to see like a five or six point deficit at halftime where you're kind of right in the, the thick of it. But then I wonder if they can sustain that and lose by five or six or if the wheels kind of come off in the second half and then you, you kind of have like with, uh, let's say, like the Alabama game and you just sort of, you know, you just sort of end up behind and uh, behind by a lot. A&M's the best offensive rebounding team in the country. That's good to Is know. Is that good? Yeah. That's special. Isn't that special? <laughs> I'm excited now. Yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, Mizzou... Well, I guess by the numbers, they, they're not as bad as they were last year, but last year was about as bad as you could get. Hang the banner. Not right? as bad not as, as, bad last as last year. Last you got to crawl before you can sprint, baby. defensive rebounding percentage. Hang the banner. Um, but it, it, it's still bad. Uh, they're 335 in the country, according to Ken Palm. In that, in that category, there's something like 363 teams in Division One college hoops. Not great. Uh, Mizzou is up against it tonight. But what do you want to see in a game like this where you're probably not expected to win? And maybe it's not just about this year, but the future. What do you want to see from this? I want to see them win some games. Like, I want to, I, I want to, you can't go over in the conference and tell me that there's hope for the future. That's not going to play. That's stuff that Kim Anderson didn't do. Okay, so like I'm not going to sugarcoat this season. It's been a wreck and they need to try to find a foundation and and build upon something. If I'm to believe that even with the recruiting class that you have coming in, that you can sustain something as early as next year. It's not it's not being, you know, a chicken little to say that this has been a disaster because it has been. If you lose every game. That's pretty bad. That's not really what you're aiming for. And it's not like you can come away from some of these losses and go, well, you know, here's the positive that we can take away from this. It's kind of the same reason every every night that they're losing, Andy. That's what's frustrating. You talk about the defensive play. It's not up to par. And consistently, you don't have more than one guy per night who you feel good about scoring. And Tamar Bates was the guy in the last game. But, but then you see, you know, Sean East and Nick Honor kind of, you know, Noah Carter was kind of MIA, scoring the basketball, had like six points. So it's consistency. That's what I want to see, is consistency to look at the, the guys that are in this rotation and say, are any of them viable for next year? A, a team that I do expect needs to be getting to at least a push to the NCAA tournament, whether they make it or not. That needs to be the expectation for next year is like, I don't even care if you don't win a conference game this year. 
no more like, oh, well, you know, it it's, takes time and it's going to build. Let's see some consistency so we can see who can be relied upon for that team. It's already auditions to me. It's tryouts for next year. Because I, I think to, to pretend that there are aspirations anymore for this season is just bad for everyone's mental health. Because they are struggling with a capital S. Well, at this point, yeah, the, you might not be eligible for it. You might not finish above 500 overall. And so that would take you out of NIT. That would take you out of anything else that you might be invited to other than the NCAA tournament. Like, that's what you're fighting at this point. So, yeah, and the fact that you go to South Carolina this weekend and then you've got you've got more home games coming up after that. But this is just a rough stretch to go through. And someone's got to provide a spark. Somebody, I mean, yes, you're talking about the group of guys, Tamar Bates, Nick Honor, Noah Carter, Sean East. I'm honestly not worried about them. They are what they are. I want to see somebody from the bench provide a spark more consistently. And be given the chance to do so, too. Well, I mean, the, the rotation is being shortened a little bit, so they are giving more minutes to some of these guys. I just, I need them to, to, to have more push. I need them to have a chance to hold up a second unit and not have the drop-off uh, from, from the start of the first half or second half, whatever it may be. When Mizzou hangs, they make buckets, they keep step-for-step step most of the time with their opponent, whether they're at home or on the road, but once the other team makes a, a little bit of a run, Mizzou doesn't have runs in them. And the reason why they don't have runs is because they haven't strung together stops in any consistent fashion. And that's true, but like, and they have kind of shortened the rotation or at least expanded it where the bench guys that are getting in there are, are usually getting in there for more than just a handful of minutes. And we're actually seeing them get some run. Jordan Butler, Anthony Robinson both played 13 minutes in the loss against Florida. Trent Pierce still only eight minutes. I'd like to see him get more opportunity. But, like, when does the point come for this team where you say, hey, it's just not working, and so 31 minutes for Nick Honor, 26 minutes for Sean East? It doesn't have to be that way. Like, experiment. I want full-scale experimentation in terms of finding out because some of these guys don't have eligibility, and that's just the reality. They don't have eligibility for next year anyway, Andy, and this team's not going anywhere. This season's done. Where, I mean, where's the hope for this for something to happen this season? What's Where do you derive that from? What's it come from? I mean, uh, from the coaching perspective, you can't think that way. You have to no, find I get it. some sort of spark to, You're right. to push yourself back to you know, some sort of postseason contention. I'm not talking about NCAA tournament. I mean... It, I don't even NIT, think that's realistic. What, what NIT what is, is not realistic right now? No. no. I mean, if you get above 500, if you get to, if, if you push toward, you know, six wins in SEC in play and something like that, six, seven, I mean, it's it's always possible. It's not likely, but, I mean, you're in the mix. I, I don't think it's completely off the table. But, How many conference games does this team win? Like we're talking about six or seven. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't just think they win that many right now. But no, again, you, you can. No, I think it'll be around five. But it's, I, I'll take the under right now. Okay, fine. But uh, there's still time to to get things strung together. There's still time to figure out which guys on the floor can can mesh best. It's not a whole lot of time, but you're nope. You need to have some sort of. Uh, 
some sort of spark from the bench. And, yeah, that probably means playing the guys who have eligibility left. But it's not to say that you just absolutely dis- disqualify the people who are done after either this year or next. That's No. That's not how I would treat it. No, no, no. Anybody I don't, I don't is, so anybody's either. fine to, to contribute if, if you are willing to do so. And, I, and, look, Dennis Gates would probably say to this sort of theory that I have of play the young guys, he'd probably say, look, we're playing the guys that we think give us the best chance and that are the most qualified to, to be getting those minutes. That's always been his stance. Um, it is frustrating. Like, you can be frustrated with this, with this team and this roster and the way that it's playing out. That's, that would be my message to Mizzou basketball fans because it is, is going in a frustrating direction. But for Dennis, it's like if he knows he's there at practices, right, he knows, that, he knows his team, and if he doesn't believe that those guys in the second unit are worthy of going from 8 to 22 minutes – more than just like a hey let's see like I'm I am advocating for a hey let's see and I realize that that cannot be the way that Dennis Gates approaches it but if the like if that's not the way that this is going to go go win a basketball game tonight just go win like if you're going to be designing yourself as one of those teams in the middle of the SEC which those teams often are able to get to the NCAA tournament because it is such a deep league then you can go on the road and be the Texas A&M they're not the big bad wolf like I understand that road wins in this league are going to be hard to come by, but you asked what I want for the season. I want to see some of them go win. The expectation should be to go win. And if you fall short, go, go try to make it happen in the next one. But like, it just doesn't feel good to have a type of basketball season where we're, we're feeling the way that we're feeling about it. Two short years removed from that exact same thing and feeling like, Oh, we, this turnaround's going to happen. I don't think it was realistic to expect NCAA tournament this year, Andy. We were hopeful. We wanted to see the the black and gold colored glasses to see that path. Maybe that was too much to ask. Well, it was a goal, yes. I, I mean, it was a goal, yeah. not an expectation. Maybe sure. is a fair way yeah. to put it. But I also don't think the potential to go winless in conference was something that people should be okay with either. Which again, no, I'm not I don't saying think they'll go you winless. should be. No, it, I don't it's... think they'll go winless. But no. they. Like realistically, you think they win five conference games? I'm not. Like, I think they could beat Arkansas. I already said that they're terrible. I mean, they have but, Arkansas twice, and then Vanderbilt. So, so I mean, it's yeah. And then Arkansas and then you pick once, off Vanderbilt here and once, there, right? So maybe, I mean, I'm, I'm, but three or four until I see one. It's hard for me to say more than three or four. Okay. So what I want to see, maybe that's the answer, Andy. I want to see five. I want to see five right. or more conference wins <laughs> because then you're at least competitive. Right now, I, I I can't call what this is competitive when you're going out there and kind of laying flat in the second half of these games and, and losing by double digits at home to Florida. Again, Florida's a fine team. Mizzou can be a fine team, though, too. You you know, we just don't have to look at all these dignitaries and say, oh, can't beat them, can't beat Mizzou's. If they want to imagine themselves in that mix as early as next year again, it's it's time to have some games like that where you just go play basketball and you, you be on that level. That's what I want to see. 875-KTGR, what do you want to see tonight for Mizzou men's basketball as they take on a&M on the road. Let's go to Jarrett here on the KTGR hotline. Jarrett, what's up? How's it going, guys? Hey, I completely agree with the take about this season being a wash. I mean, obviously, it, we're just not at that competitive level. My question is, like you guys had mentioned earlier, you know, expectations coming into it, you know, the goal was making the tournament. We didn't know if that was going to be realistic or not. But do you think that the, the kind of the high off of last season affected what the expectations were off this season? I mean, when you look at the roster that was put together um, after that, I mean, you lose guys like Kobe Brown, Des Moines Hodge, and stuff like that. But 
I mean, this team that they put together, you really don't have that guy. I mean, Sean East has obviously, you know, been a high scorer for us, but it, when you look at the roster, it just doesn't seem like it was going to be a winning team. And, and you know, you, you see those expectations. Do you think that a lot of people were just kind of riding off that high from last season? Or, or I mean, I mean, maybe I'm missing something. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question, Jared. Appreciate the, appreciate the call here on the Big Show KTGR. I mean, when you have a season like that, it sort of resets or maybe speeds up your rebuilding process a little bit to say, hey, if that was 25 wins, then imagine what it could be a year, two years from now. We could get to where we want to be even quicker. So, I, I, again, I don't think it was – a sort of expectation, like, yes, you absolutely have to do it, or, or things are going to go absolutely haywire here. It is still a goal to get into that uh, realm and then just see what happens because the, the tournament can be kind of random at times, and you if you get hot at the exact right time, you can turn it into a really special season. But a, a season like that that they had last year does change how we view – future seasons, right, Brendan? Because we know what's possible, and you can rebuild the roster the way that Dennis Gates did in the offseason when he took over as head coach, and you can turn it into a winner. It just didn't happen this time around. The portal, it, they didn't get what they wanted, maybe in in, in every sense. The, the guys that they had just didn't uh, fill all the roles that they needed filled, and this is the result. Right, like, I, I think the answer to Jared's question is in part yes, we were riding the high, the high of, of what Dennis Gates was able to accomplish last year, and it was sort of that mentality of, hey, why can't he do it again? And more than that, it's like now he's got something to sell to people in the transfer portal. Say, look what I did with this group. And you could, in, in theory, I guess, grab from a higher class of transfer athletes. Uh, he didn't. He didn't end up landing the, the higher class of transfer athletes. Now, is part of that maybe we we, we – don't give enough credit to the notion of like he knew the guys from the horizon league that he was bringing in. He knew he was getting winners and that's something that it's hard to replicate when you're just pulling from, you know, across the country trying to make another transfer class happen because Mizzou had so many guys graduate and go to the, go to the the NBA in the case of uh, Des Moines and Kobe, like maybe it was just, yes, it was unfair to expect him to be able to pull the rabbit out of the hat again. But that being said, when you can do that, the drop-off shouldn't be this. You know what I mean? Like it, Somewhere in between is what we should have been looking at here. You should have been looking at a, a six or a, le, a six or seven win conference season, right? Not a, not a sub-500 record. And right now, I think it's really hard to predict that they're not going to be sub-500 on the season. Not just within conference, but I'm talking overall. Uh, and, and like all the signs pointed to, to reasons to be optimistic. Well, hey... Dennis is scheduling really tough. He's scheduling non-con games that we didn't see last year because it was year one and you didn't maybe know how the team was going to mesh. Everything kind of pointed to there's a level of kind of bravado and confidence coming into this year that maybe they can be players once again in the SEC. Um, now we know that that's not the case, and I'm not saying it it should have been expected and we should all be rioting that they, they're not going to make the tournament, but the fact that it's not at least that kind of you know, seven and eleven conference season where you go sixteen and fifteen, and 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 you can at least say the floor has been stabilized. No, it's like the bottom's dropping out of the season, and that's just it, it, that's that's so far in the other direction of what I think reasonably we should have 
been able to expect it to be. So, so yeah, and I just did the math on it real quick. Uh, in order for Mizzou to finish above 500 overall this year and by, and by that token be eligible for postseason place, whatever it may be, you got to go eight and five the rest of the way. There's no chance of that, Andy. You know, no, that. yeah. There's there's no chance. So it's not. There's time. It's not. We can wait and see. It's it's the goose is cooked. Um, you know, maybe that'll be the. You can say, hey, that guy on the radio said our goose was cooked, and they go eight and five the rest of the way. I'd love nothing more. Yeah. But like with what we have seen recently, there's just nothing tangible to expect this sudden run. Yeah. Uh, to, to happen unless I, it starts tonight. And honestly, it's got to start tonight. Like, uh, let's say they win. Do you do you then change your tune a little bit? Oh, oh they went and they went and beat A and M on the road. I see it happen once. Certainly, I can say now you can build on that. But right. to not have anything to build on in conference play, and even the latter portion of non-con, where they where they just weren't competitive against some rivals, you know, that's yeah. I, I would need to see a win. You know, I need to see one soon. And look, it's not to say if they don't beat A and M, then it's like, oh, it's done. It's already done. But rise from the ashes with with a little bit of a run here. I think yeah. they're capable of it. They've got good players. They just haven't all done it at the same time. When you have a guy like Tamar Bates going off, that's the night where you don't have Sean East. Like, click on the same wavelength and then see what that feels like in a conference game, and then maybe you turn it into something. But I would say right now, eight conference wins feels pretty far fetched. I'm not yeah. convinced they can get to five until I see the first one. Which, again, I mean, eight eight and five, if you go the rest of the way and you get to that record, that'd be eight and ten in conference, that'd be 16 and 15 in the SEC. That's probably NIT worthy. It's Maybe probably it is, right that's there. That's not a goal that I care about. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I just don't well, care. Well, at least not at right point. now. No, uh, but I, I mean, then. but again, you're talking about building upon things. See what happens tonight. See what happens after sure. that. Things like that. I would lock in seven and eleven. If you told me like you could have it your way, I'd lock it in seven and eleven, or whatever that is, seven conference wins yeah. to get to fifteen, and then you know see what happens in the in the SEC tournament. Maybe you pick off sure. a team yeah. or two there. That's okay. Like I don't need postseason basketball, but I I don't need the lowest of the Kim Anderson years or the lowest of the Conzo years under Dennis Gates in year two. I need it to not be that because I know that the, that recruiting class is signed and that's all well and good. I am telling you it is going to be very, very difficult to win just two conference games this year and then turn around and say, hey, guys, we're going to be just fine. I mean, that's going to be tougher to sell. And and you want something to give to the fans to say, hey, we're, we hear you and we're going to get this thing on the right track. But uh, you got to win some games to convince people that that's – that it's headed in the right direction, even if objectively with recruiting and the like, it is. You got to show that at some point, and, and and that would just be nice to get that little little bump, even if it doesn't mean NIT. I don't, I couldn't care less. But win six or seven conference games to show me that the proof of concept, and, and hopefully in so doing, you see a Trent Pierce emerge, or you see more from Aiden Shaw, etc. That would be my hope. What's your hope? For Mizzou and Texas A&M tonight, 875-KTGR, call or text us with your thoughts. We'll get to some more of that, some of your calls and texts. And uh, up next, reacting to the Baseball Hall of Fame announcement. Who got in, who didn't? I'll tell you our thoughts about it all Did next I year in? on the big show. I checked the ballot. I, I don't know. We'll talk about it next. You're listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Mizzou men's hoops tonight, taking on Texas A&M. Coverage starts at 7.30, tip off at 8 here on KTGR. 
875-KTGR. If you want to call or text us, tell us what you think will happen tonight between the Tigers and Aggies. Chris texting in 875-KTGR. Does this Mizzou team take the shine off of what Gates did in the first season? I mean, a little bit. Maybe it makes it more impressive. I don't know. A little bit right now. It's a uh, fair point. Chris. If it continues this way, then it, you tell me that team was like that close to the precipice of like putting up a big fat donut in SEC play. They went to the tournament and got past the first round. Yeesh. Yeah, I mean they lost a lot of talent, and yeah. we don't. The you know what? It makes me think about the Cardinals baseball team going out and getting all the veteran leaders. Like that Mizzou team had veteran leadership, and it all came together and coalesced in such a beautiful way. And then it all left, and the guys that would have needed to t- take the void up and step in didn't. Um, and you know, it's it's not to say they're bad players or bad guys, but they just don't have they don't have that same that same je ne sais quoi that they had last year. They also, don't have Kobe Brown, so that yeah. is part of it as well. Yeah, that that doesn't help. You don't have him this year. All right, so what happens tonight? Uh, what do we what do we think tonight? Score prediction. Uh Mizzou seventy seven, Texas A and M seventy five. I, oh, I did enough win. whining. Yeah, I did enough whining on the radio. Well, okay, all right. Texas A and M is overrated. Very good. Uh, they're not that good. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, so we'll we'll go with that. Um, you know what? I'll be optimistic too. I'll say they win. <laughs> yes, eighty one, eighty. All right. I, I think score it's possible. I mean, they, uh, they kind of need to score in, in the 80s yeah. in order to to win, right? But you know what? Like, have Tamar Bates be good and score on the same night that Sean East is good and scores on the same night that, I mean, Nick Honor doesn't even have to score. He just has to pass it to those guys if they're on their game. Um, and it's going to have just, to be an excellent shooting night from these guys. Cause, that's the only way. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, there's a mismatch uh, defensively with trying to get rebounds. I foresee a whole lot of second chance points for Texas A and M tonight. You're going to have to overcome that. You're going to have to Just whatever they did to, against Pitt. Yeah. do that today. Yeah. That's how you win. Got to get some steals. Got to get some. Make a run. Gosh darn it! Like, make a run and don't have one go against you. Every yeah. game there's a there's a nine minute spell. Well, you can have them go oh, against were... you, but you need to have an answer somehow. No, no, like, like, you got to have it. I don't mind you give up a bunch of buckets in a row. Mizzou's going to do that. You can't come up empty on the other side for nine minutes and go, yeah. oh, we forgot to score during that quarter of the game. It's not going to work. Get, just be consistent. Yeah. We'll see. 875 Why not? You think so? Yeah, I think so, Yeah, too. why not? You said yeah. it, too. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> you convinced me. Uh, all right. The Hall of Fame class of 2024 for the National Baseball Hall of Fame. That is now out. Three guys made it. Adrian Beltre... It, Ran away with it. Ninety-five percent of the vote, first year on about. the ballot. So gotta, true, bestie. Yes. Gotta say that's that sounds right. Adrian Beltre had a great year or great career, I should say. <laughs> great, great year. Great he year. Had great years. This he early, awesome you're in the Baseball Hall year. of Fame, 2024. <laughs> <laughs> great you know, start, he, 2024 for Adrian Beltre. He had the 3,000 hits, and I don't really know. Like, if you have 3,000 hits, yeah, you, I still you feel can't like can't leave you out. Yeah, you're probably gonna be in, barring yeah. something crazy. For most, unless for most you're Pete people. Rose, right? That's that's well, the thing that's, that's crazy, right? You know, that's different. Um, so there's that. Uh, Todd Helton made it. Congrats to him. Seventy nine percent of the vote. Seventy nine point seven, close to eighty percent. So he cut it a little close. You got to have seventy five. Cu- he, he didn't cut it as close as Joe Mauer did. Joe Mauer got in. Congrats to him. Seventy six point one percent. Oh wow! I think it was See, only never... like four votes that 
that put him over the top. I think this notion of like a guy being a first ballot Hall of Famer is going to go away a little bit more as the demographic of voters skews a little younger because the mindset's going to more, there's not going to be like the gatekeeping as much of, oh, this guy's a Hall of Famer, but I'm not going to vote for him in his first year. It, because that's a mentality that certain voters have, yeah. but I feel like I feel like as it skews more a little more young, uh, folks are going to just say, eh, "If he's a Hall of Famer, I'm going to pick him in the yeah, first year right. that I'm eligible to do so." Um, and so, like Joe Mauer, I would have thought guy that eventually gets in. But I, if you would have just asked me, I didn't vote. I don't vote yet. Maybe someday if I stick with this career. But if you'd asked me, does Joe Mauer get in on the first year? I would have just said, "Eh, he probably falls a little short and gets in as a second year." But that he did just squeak in with seventy six. So yeah. and he is a Hall of Famer. So I'm I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah, very deserving. And uh, those are the three: Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, Joe Mauer, the guy who just on the outside looking in. One of my favorite childhood players, Billy Wagner, uh, just missed it by five votes. Seventy three point eight percent. That's close. Really close. And you He's have got to more think years, with, though. without. He's got one more year oh, after man, this. Oh, man, that's going to come down to the wire. I know, right? Which, look, I, I I made everybody out there saying, yeah, he missed it by just five votes. Next year, slam dunk, he's going to be in. Like, it, don't <laughs> it's worry It's been nine it. years. How it's many been, more minds can you change? I know, right? Well, you got to change five more minds. He he has five more votes to uh Five more minds or the new voters that may come in right, would exactly. be maybe voting for him. It's going to be, that's going to be tight. Um, I know he picked up a few votes this year, but not, not I mean, quite he's, enough. Huh? He's gotten votes. He's picked up votes every year that he's been on the ballot. He's made, like, a pretty good rise. Like, he was around the 10% of uh, the teens when he first got on the ballot, and he's gotten all yeah. the way up to 73.8. So he's almost there. But, gosh, it's going to be uh, last year on the ballot. It's always just a nail-biter. You always get nervous about it. Uh, Gary Sheffield, yeah. it was his last year on the ballot, and he missed out. 63.9% for Gary Sheffield. Yeah, that's – I don't understand that one. Is it is it the connection to, to PEDs? Is that what keeps him out? Because was there to a me, connection to PED? I there, guess there was. There was, was there? one, was he on but the it, wasn't Report? As, it wasn't as prominent as, you know, like A-Rod and Manny Ramirez were both on this ballot, and, like, yeah. I don't know how many votes they got, but they weren't close to getting in. Um, but like Gary Sheffield, I guess, and, and yes, the Mitchell report, I don't remember specifically off the top of my head. I know that there was something, but for me, like if I were voting this year, I would have voted for Gary Sheffield for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, had 500 home runs career, 900 OPS. I mean, my goodness, some of his peak years were just absolutely outstanding, but you know, there is that little notion of, of the numbers kind of bumping in that. That 2000, 2000, 2001 range when, you know, a lot of that was going on. Sure. So does he quite get to 500 if not for maybe a, the, the possibility that he that he was using something? Um, I, I don't know. I'd have, you'd have to ask every voter as to how they handled that one. Um, but, like, you compare him to Todd Helton. Todd Helton had a higher career OPS, uh, but, but didn't even have 400 home runs. But his peak was really impressive. But do you dock him because of Coors Field? Right, played his home games in Colorado. I don't know, but you know, I'm happy for Todd I mean, Helton. See, to my to my mind, I would say he's a Hall of Famer. But I thought Gary Sheffield should have gotten it. I also I also kind of look at you know the Baseball Reference page for some of these guys, and I look all the way at the bottom similarity scores, like who is most sure. similar to this guy. And I look yeah. at Gary Sheffield's list, and it's all Hall of Famers: Chipper Jones, Mel Ott, uh, Fred McGriff, Mickey Mantle, 
Frank Robbins, all Hall of Famers on there. Gary Sheffield like, should be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the one miss that that our that our voters for the BBWA had because yeah. I I just. But again, like there are circumstances where people have, you know, if you, if you even were whispered related to to PEDs, then you then know, getting certain guys aren't going to get your it, vote, right? Yeah. yeah, it's just rough. Uh, Andrew Jones uh, was right behind him, sixty one point six percent. Then we get to Carlos Beltran. Uh, 57.1%. I believe last year he was in, like, the mid-40s around Carlos that Beltran's area. Gonna, Carlos Beltran's going to get in one of these days. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's going to be. He's gonna get in. He'll get in. He's getting dinged for the sign-stealing stuff with the Astros. He was the Which only is player kinda, named. Kind of dumb, but the timing of it wasn't great for him because, the you know, he, he got onto the ballot a couple years later, so not great timing. But people will, people will forget about that. One of the best... Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. One of the best the at was, his position of hitting at uh, his position, yes. and and switch hitter like Carlos Beltran's going to get in. Yeah, this I'm, is only would, a second year on so. the ballot. Give him two, maybe three more years. I think he's there. Um, so uh, not worried about that. Then we get to a. There, there's a huge drop off, and then we get to a rod mm-hmm. at thirty four point eight percent. He's not going to get voted in by the writers. It's yeah. not that because if he were. Like that, it's been so many years since all of that that you kind of made up your mind at this point of are you going to vote for steroid guys or not? And right. a lot of folks have taken the stance of I'm not going to vote for somebody who used PEDs after baseball took a hardline stance and said here would be your punishment. Guys who got an actual suspension for it, guys like Manny Ramirez is kind of in that boat as well, where you look at their numbers and it's like unequivocally they're both Hall of Famers. But yeah, that's the the aspect that is going to tarnish. Uh, it's already done it to a number of guys who are not in that you would have thought surely going to be Hall of Fame caliber, and, and it's going to continue, I think, to be the case uh, with with those two in particular. I just don't I, with those kind of numbers. Again, who's going to wake up next year and say, "Yeah, I'm going to vote for him" after you know a number of years not being on the ballot? I just don't see a way. Yeah. I, uh, what always boggles the mind to me is guys that change their mind because there are voters that. It's interesting that you know vote for a player one year and they don't vote for him the next year. I, Here's my thing: is when you do when you go in that direction, where you vote for a guy and then you don't. I again, it better be a so, situation where you're voting for ten, you're maxing out your votes, and then yes, right, that would make sense. And again, I I'll be careful with this because in six or so years I'll be able to do this as well as a member of BBWA. Yeah. But the thing I could understand it's like i think even Derek gould had in the past not voted for billy wagner but and i haven't had a chance to read his article about it he always puts out a full article explaining who he votes for um but i i think he's he's now picked him up and, and did vote for billy wagner this year and so like you said the former closer just needs a handful more of folks to do that next year and he'll be in on the the final year of eligibility but yeah going the other way of i voted for you this time i didn't max out my ballot and but i'm not going to vote for you the next time um, again, a lot of writers will take the stance and, and, and they'll write a, a column explaining themselves. I would hope that those who do who make that decision at least write about it and explain why. But I would agree with you that it's I, I haven't had to think too much about it yet because I haven't had to do the vote yet in, in a formal way. But if ever I am in that position, 
I would not expect myself to say, hey, one year this guy's a Hall of Famer, but yeah, he had really bad numbers this next year. Right, <laughs> so I'm yeah. taking him off as though there's like still there was a know, smudge on my computer screen and that nine was actually a six. Or, yeah, like, I, oh, I didn't what? read it right. Oh, not a know. Hall of Famer. Sorry. I, <laughs> I do agree with you on that, Andy. Kind of weird that that, but that does happen sometimes. Oh, man. Well, uh,. Of course, I'll be hoping for Billy Wagner next year in the final year. Uh, next year, Ichiro's going to be on the ballot. Ooh. And he'll be first ballot. He will be easy. In, he I think Sabathia, uh, I believe, will be on it next year. They're saying that he'll okay. probably have a pretty good chance to be a first ballot Hall of Fame guy. Um, but, yeah, two guys this year, first ballot Hall of Famers. I I thought Joe Maurer would maybe get a few more votes, but he just got in. You know, Congrats to him. and Made it in. And, yeah, Todd Helton, I guess some people are probably kind of wondering if he was deserving or not, Andy. Oh, um, he's deserving. I think he, he feels like if you say Todd Helton and you were around to watch his career, he just feels like a guy who is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So even though I was surprised to look and see that he only had 369 career homers, but he wasn't really a power guy in the way that some guys are just home run hitters. He was just a, he was just a great hitter, a lifetime OPS of 953. And a three sixteen batting mark. He he was he was a great hitter. Yeah, and I and I do think deserving as well. So uh, those are the three guys: Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, Joe Mauer, that made it. Who got snubbed? Give us your thoughts on the baseball Hall of Fame voting out this hour. Eight seven five KTGR. Call or text us. Sorry, Chris, you didn't make it. Um, and also sorry to guys like Matt Holiday and uh, James Shields who did not get the five percent required to stay on the ballot in their yeah. first year. Yeah, how they got one percent. I think he got four votes. Four votes. Um, so he's he's gonna fall off the ballot. Not not a Hall of Famer, um, Cardinal Hall of Famer to be sure, but yeah. not not an MLB Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, I think I think they 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 probably got that right. Like, like a guy like though Jim Edmonds, I feel like you had more defensive acumen. I think it was a mistake years ago when he fell off after the first uh, the first round on the yeah. ballot. But I'm not entirely surprised to see. You know, I love Matt Holiday. Um, but I'm not entirely surprised to see that he didn't quite get to that 5%. Well, other guys, Jose Bautista falls off the ballot in his first year. That seems probably right. Bartolo Colon, probably right, but like in the in the fun factor of it did all. Did he get any know? votes? Did Bartolo get any votes? Bartolo got five votes. All right, there you go. Good on you, Colon. Well done. He could always come back. He could always come back. He's still yeah. pitching, like yeah. not in major leagues, but he's still like out there. You know, playing baseball, so maybe he comes back and, and gets to restart Resets his, clock. his clock. Love it. There you go. Eight seven five K to GR. Give us your thoughts on the baseball hall of fame voting. Got a live local sports center, and then we'll get to some of your calls and texts coming up after this. You are listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Yeah, we're kind of talking, you know, off air during the break about this Hall of Fame voting. Who got snubbed? Eight seven five K to GR call or text in. Alex texted in. Sheffield got snubbed as did A-Rod, Wagner, and Francisco Rodriguez. I was, try- was going to you know, pull up K-Rod's numbers. And Closers are tough, but K-Rod kind of fell off, I think, if I recall. I could be wrong. He did. He pitched a long time. He pitched 16 years. Closers are tough, man. That's yeah. just like Billy you Wagner. Really, is, yeah, Wagner is a Hall of Fame yes. caliber closer, but how many closers actually get in? You right. Know? I mean, Wagner, it, more than 900 innings pitched. And an ERA under 2.5, there's two guys ever that have done that. Billy Wagner and Mariano Rivera, and that's the list. Um, I think so, Wagner probably deserves to get in. Yeah. Um, I'll never have to reckon with whether or not I would have voted for him because 
he'll be off the ballot next right. year. But I think I could see that. Sheffield, I would have voted for. Um, and I told you during the break, Andrew Jones, I would have voted for. Yes. Um, and would. I don't think I'll ever have the opportunity because he's got maybe three years left before he, he falls yeah, off the ballot. Years, but he came him. in, what, 61%. You need 75 He wanted. We were looking this up during the break. He won a gold glove 10 years in a row in center field and hit 400-plus home runs. Like, had, you know, had some injuries and things that kind of derailed his career late. Just didn't quite get the counting numbers, didn't get 2,000 hits. But if you, I, I think Andre Jones is a Hall of Fame caliber player. But I've, I've already seen some folks on Twitter say, well, if you're going to consider him, you know, how does Jim Edmonds fall off the ballot after one year? I will never understand Jim Edmonds yeah. not getting 5% because, yeah, he is very similar to Andre Jones in a lot of regards. Hits are pretty similar, home runs relatively similar. Both just great, great all-time great defensive center fielders. And, yeah, I, it remains to be seen whether either of them will get in. Francisco Rodriguez is way down there. He's at 7.8%. Now, this was just his second year, but that's a lot of ground to make up, and, yeah, probably won't happen. Alex Rodriguez, I mean, good luck. <laughs> I mean, would you vote for A-Rod into yes. the Hall of Fame? Yes. I think I would, too. Yeah. I, I, I don't think he's yeah. ever getting in. Younger voters, maybe they get in, and they change the, uh, the, you got the numbers to- <laughs> a little bit. You got people that are, you know, voting. I, I, again, I have several years to He's go. He's got, got seven more are, years left to, to make it, so he does have a long runway. And you think about people that remember, like, I grew up, you know, my first baseball memory was 1998, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. And you're going to have some, some people that say, eh, steroids, right. maybe not so bad. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, you're gonna, <laughs> it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Maybe not in that way, and but but like the, the old guard of the desecration of the game and all this stuff, there's going to be people who, you know, like if producer Chris, let's say, was a Hall of Fame voter, he'd be like, yeah, sock some dingers. Like, it, he would absolutely, true. you know, That's I don't so even true. have to ask you to know that you'd be voting for, like, Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. I don't care what it, I don't care what oh, it are says. Are you kidding like, me? He'd be Barry my ride in like every one, single ballot. I just the put all of them. Barry, 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 Barry. Right? You can't write anybody in. But yeah. I, that, Listen. But again, like, we'll see. We'll see if guys like A-Rod with a younger demographic end up. But I, I would assume he may never even crack 50-60%. Unless people are just deciding, hey, we're going to punish him for a while because we don't like him. But eventually we'll go, okay, yeah, it's A-Rod. It's, he's Maybe then. A, yeah. But I don't know, man. It ain't looking good. It would be pretty monumental if he does make it. But got a ways to go. But that's the uh, those are the Hall of Fame results. Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, Joe Maurer, they all make it. Give us your thoughts. 875-KTGR. You can text them in. We might get to some more of that talk tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Will Carroll, the injury expert, for joining us as well. Mizzou Hoops coverage starts at 730 tonight. He's Brendan. He's producer Chris. I'm Andy. We're done for now.